guys, this is Joe with the Modern Heathen Man. Today being Tuesday means it's story time. I'm going to bring you three different um, episodes from Padraig Colum's Children of Odin. And that's going to be 7, 8, and 9 in the series. Um, there's quite a few actually to go through. So every Tuesday, as I said before, is going to be story time. So you can go ahead and share this with your family, share with your kids. Um, if you're in summer, it's really hot here right now in Alabama. So... Just sit back, relax in the air conditioning, and play this, and let them listen to the great stories of our heathen past. Um, so, without further ado, here it is. Enjoy, guys. Thanks. Hey, guys. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and... Um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such. Wonderful work that this man does. Cars everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small D poles of 5 to 6 inches for $40. 7 to 8 inches for $45. 9 to 10 for $50. And 11 to 12 for $60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Balder, Bragi, Hemdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Njord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So he can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Section 7 of The Children of Odin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Children of Odin. The Book of Northern Myths. By Parik Kolum. Part 1. Chapter 8. Heimdall and Little Hnosa. How All Things Came to Be. Hnosa, the child of Freya and the lost Odur, was the youngest of all the dwellers in Asgard. And because it had been prophesied that the child would bring her father and her mother together, little Hnosa was often taken without the city of the gods to stand by Bifrost, the rainbow bridge, so that she might greet Odur if his steps turned toward Asgard. In all the palaces of the city of the gods little Hnosa was made welcome. In Fensalir, the halls of mists, where Frigga, the wife of Odin, all-father, sat spinning with golden threads. In Breidablik, where Baldur, the well-beloved, lived with his fair wife, the young Nanna. In Bilskirnir, the winding-house, where Thor and Sif lived, 
and in Odin's own palace, Valaskjalf, that was roofed all over with silver shields. The greatest of all the palaces was Gladsheim, that was built by the golden-leaved wood, Glacier. Here the banquets of the gods were held. Often little Nosa looked within, and saw Odin all father seated at the banquet-table, with a mantle of blue over him, and a shining helmet shaped like an eagle upon his head. Odin would sit there, not eating at all, but drinking the wine of the gods, and taking the food off the table, and giving it to Geri and Freki, the two wolves that crouched beside his seat. She loved to go outside the great gate, and stay beside Heimdall, the warder of the Rainbow Bridge. There, when there was no one crossing that she might watch, she would sit beside Heimdall, and listen to the wonders that he spoke of. Heimdall held in his hands the horn that was called the Gjallar horn. He would sound it to let the dwellers in Asgard know that one was crossing the Rainbow Bridge. And Heimdall told little Hanosa how he had trained himself to hear the grasses grow, and how he could see all around him for a hundred miles. He could see in the night as well as the day. He never slept. He had nine mothers, he told Hanosa, and he fed on the strength of the earth and the cold sea. As she sat beside him day after day, Heimdall would tell little Hanosa how all things began. He had lived from the beginning of time, and he knew all things. Before Asgard was built, he said, and before Odin lived, earth and sea and sky were all mixed together. What was then? was the chasm of chasms. In the north there was Niflheim, the place of deadly cold. In the south there was Muspelheim, the land of fire. In Niflheim there was a cauldron called Kvigelmer, that poured out twelve rivers that flowed into the chasm of chasms. Genungagap, the chasm of chasms, filled up with ice, for the waters of the rivers froze as they poured into it. From Muspelheim came clouds of fire that turned the ice into thick mists. The mists fell down again in drops of dew, and from these drops were formed Ymir, the ancient giant. Ymir, the ancient giant, travelled along by the twelve rivers, until he came to where another living form was standing in the mists. This was a giant cow. Odhumla was the name of that cow. Ymir lay down beside her and drank her milk and on the milk she gave him, he lived. Other beings were formed out of the dew that fell to the ground. They were the daughters of the frost, and Ymir, the ancient giant, married one, and their children were the giants. One day Ymir saw Audhumla breathe upon a cliff of ice and lick with her tongue the place she breathed on. As her tongue went over and over the place, he saw that a figure was being formed. It was not like a giant's form. It was more shapely, and more beautiful. A head appeared in the cliff, and golden hair fell over the ice. As Ymir looked upon the being that was being formed, he hated him for his beauty. Audhumla, the giant cow, went on licking the place where she had breathed. At last a man completely formed stepped from the cliff. Ymir, the ancient giant, hated him so much that he would have slain him then and there. But he knew that if he did this, Audhumla would feed him no more with her milk. Burr was the name of the man who was formed in the ice-cliff. Burr, 
the first of the heroes. He too lived on the milk about Humla. He married a daughter of the ancient giant, and he had a son. But Ymir and Ymir's sons hated Burr, and the time came at last when they were able to kill him. And now there was war between Ymir and Ymir's sons, and the son and son's sons of Burr. Odin was the son of Burr's son. Odin brought all his brothers together, and they were able to destroy Ymir and all his brood, all except one. So huge was Ymir that when he was slain his blood poured out in such a mighty flood that all his sons were drowned in it, all except Bergelmir, who was in a boat with his wife when the flood came, and who floated away on the flood to the place that we now call Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. Now Odin and his sons took the body of Ymir, the vastest body that ever was, and they flung it into the chasm of chasms, filling up all the hollow places with it. They dug the bones out of the body, and they piled them up as the mountains. They took the teeth out, and they made them into the rocks. They took the hair of Ymir, and they made it into the forests of trees. They took his eyebrows, and formed them into the place where men now dwell, Midgard. And out of Ymir's hollow skull they made the sky. And Odin and his sons and brothers did more than this. They took the sparks and the clouds of flame that blew from Muspelheim, and they made them into the sun and the moon and all the stars that are in the sky. Odin found a dusky giantess named Night, whose son was called Day, and he gave both of them horses to drive across the sky. Night drove a horse that is named Krimfax, Frosty Mane, and Day drove a horse that is named Skinfax, Shining Mane. From Hrimfax's bit fall the drops that make the dew upon the earth. Then Odin and his sons made a race of men and women, and gave them Midgard to live in. Ugly dwarfs had grown up and had spread themselves over the earth. These Odin made go live in the hollow places beneath the earth. The elves he let stay on the earth, but he gave them the tasks of tending the streams and the grasses and the flowers and with the Vanir he made peace after a war had been waged, taking Njord from them for a hostage. Bergelmir, the giant who escaped drowning in Ymir's blood, had sons and daughters in Jotunheim. They hated Odin and his sons, and strove against them. When Odin lighted up the world with the sun and the moon, they were very wroth, and they found two of the fiercest of the mighty wolves of Jotunheim, and set them to follow them. And still the sun and the moon, Saul and Mani, are followed by the wolves of Jotunheim. Such wonders did Heimdall with the golden teeth tell Hnosa, the youngest of the dwellers in Asgard. Often the child stayed with him by the rainbow bridge, and saw the gods pass to and from Midgard. Thor, with his crown of stars, with the great hammer Mjolnir in his hands, with the gloves of iron that he used when he grasped Mjolnir. Thor in his chariot drawn by two goats, and wearing the belt that doubled his strength. Frigga, with her dress of falcon feathers, flying swiftly as a bird. Odin all-father himself, riding upon Slepnir, his eight-legged steed, clad all in golden armour, with his golden helmet shaped like an eagle upon his head, and with his spear Gunnir in his hand. Heimdall kept his horn in the branch of a great tree. This tree was called Yggdrasil, 
he told little Hunosa, and it was a wonder to gods and men. No one knows of a time when Ygrasil was not growing, and all are afraid to speak of the time when it will be destroyed. Ygdrasil has three roots. One goes deep under Midgard, another goes deep under Jotunheim, and the third grows above Asgard. Over Odin's hall a branch of Ygdrasil grows, and it is called the Peace-Bow. You see Ygdrasil, little Hinosa, but you do not know all the wonders of it. Far up in its branches four stags graze. They shake from their horns the water that falls as rain upon the earth. On the topmost branch of Yggdrasil, the branch that is so high that the gods themselves can hardly see it, there is an eagle that knows all things. Upon the beak of this eagle a hawk is perched, a hawk that sees what the eyes of the eagle may not see. The root of Yggdrasil that is in Midgard goes deep down to the place of the dead. Here there is an evil dragon named Nidhogg that gnaws constantly at the root, striving to destroy Yggdrasil, the tree of trees. And Ratatosk, the squirrel of mischief, behold him now, runs up and down Yggdrasil, making trouble between the eagle above and the dragon below. He goes to tell the dragon how the eagle is bent upon tearing him to pieces, and he goes back to tell the eagle how the dragon plans to devour him. The stories that he brings to Nidhogg make that evil dragon more fierce to destroy Yggdrasil, the tree of trees, so that he may come upon the eagle and devour him. There are two wells by the roots of Yggdrasil, and one is above and one is below. One is beside the root that grows in Jotunheim. This is a well of knowledge, and it is guarded by old Mimir the wise. Whoever drinks out of this well knows of all the things that will come to be. The other well is by the root that grows above Asgard. No one may drink out of this well. The three sisters that are the holy Norns guard it, and they take the white water from it to water Yggdrasil, that the tree of life may keep green and strong. This well, little Hinosa, is called Erda's well. And little Hinosa heard that by Erda's well there were two beautiful white swans. They made a music that the dwellers in Asgard often heard but Hnosa was too young to hear the music that was made by the swans of Erda's well. CHAPTER Nine, THE ALL-FATHER'S FOREBODINGS HOW HE LEAVES ASGARD Two ravens had Odin All-Father. Hugin and Munin were their names. They flew all through the worlds every day, and coming back to Asgard they would light on Odin's shoulders and tell him of all the things they had seen and heard. And once, a day passed without the ravens coming back. Then Odin, standing on the watch-tower Hlidskjalf, said to himself, I fear me for Hugin, lest he come not back, but I watch more for Munin. A day passed, and the ravens flew back. They sat, one on each of his shoulders. Then did the All-Father go into the council-house that was beside Glossier, the woods that had leaves of gold, and hearkened to what Hugin and Munin had to tell him. They told him only of shadows and forebodings. Odin All-Father did not speak to the dwellers in Asgard of the things they told him. But Frigga, his queen, saw in his eyes the shadows and forebodings of things to come. And when he spoke to her about these things, she said, Do not strive against what must take place. Let us go to the holy Norns who sit by Erda's well, and see if the shadows and the forebodings will remain, 
when you have looked into their eyes. And so it came that Odin and the gods left Asgard, and came to Urda's well, where, under the great root of Yggdrasil, the three Norns sat, with the two fair swans below them. Odin went, and Tyr, the great swordsman, and Baldur, the most beautiful and the best beloved of the gods, and Thor, with his hammer. A rainbow bridge went from Asgard, the city of the gods, to Midgard, the world of men. But another rainbow bridge, more beautiful and more tremulous still, went from Asgard to the root of Yggdrasil under which was Urda's well. This rainbow bridge was seldom seen by men. And where the ends of the two rainbows came together, Heimdall stood, Heimdall with the golden teeth, the watcher for the gods, and the keeper of the way to Urda's well. "'Open the gate, Heimdall,' said the All-Father. "'Open the gate, for to-day the gods would visit the holy Norns.' Without a word Heimdall opened wide the gate that led to that bridge more coloured and more tremulous than any rainbow seen from earth. Then did Odin and Tyr and Baldur step out on the bridge. Thor followed, but before his foot was placed on the bridge Heimdall laid his hand upon him. "'The others may go, but you may not go that way, Thor,' said Heimdall. "'What? Would you, Heimdall, hold me back?' said Thor. Yes, for I am keeper of the way to the Norns," said Heimdall. You with the mighty hammer you carry are too weighty for this way. The bridge I guard would break under you, Thor, with the hammer. Nevertheless I will go visit the Norns with Odin and my comrades," said Thor. But not this way, Thor," said Heimdall. I will not let the bridge be broken under the weight of you and your hammer. Leave your hammer here with me if you would go this way. No, no," said Thor, I will not leave in any one's charge the hammer that defends Asgard, and I may not be turned back from going with Odin and my comrades. There is another way to Urda's well," said Heimdall. Behold these two great cloud-rivers, Kormt and Ermt. Canst thou wade through them? They are cold and suffocating, but they will bring thee to Urda's well, where sit the three holy Norns. Thor looked out on the two great rolling rivers of cloud. It was a bad way for one to go, cold and suffocating. Yet if he went that way he could keep on his shoulder the hammer which he would not leave in another's charge. He stepped out into the cloud river that flowed by the rainbow bridge, and with his hammer upon his shoulder he went struggling on to the other river. Odin, Tyr, and Baldur were beside Urda's well when Thor came struggling out of the cloud river wet and choking, but with his hammer still upon his shoulder. There stood Tyr, upright and handsome, leaning on his sword that was inscribed all over with magic runes. There stood Baldur, smiling with his head bent as he listened to the murmur of the two fair swans. And there stood Odin, all-father, clad in his blue cloak fringed with golden stars, without the eagle helmet upon his head, and with no spear in his hands. The three Norns, Erda, Verdani, and Skulda sat beside the well that was in the hollow of the great root of Yggdrasil. Erda was ancient and with white hair, and Verdandi was beautiful, while Skulda could hardly be seen, for she sat far back, and her hair fell over her face and eyes. Urda, Verdandi, and Skulda, they knew the whole of the past, the whole of the present, and the whole of the future. 
Odin, looking on them, saw into the eyes of Skulda even. Long, long he stood looking on the Norns with the eyes of a god, while the others listened to the murmur of the swans, and the falling of the leaves of Yggdrasil into Erda's well. Looking into their eyes, Odin saw the shadows and forebodings that Hugin and Munin told him of take shape and substance. And now others came across the rainbow bridge. They were Frigga and Sif and Nanna, the wives of Odin and Thor and Baldur. Frigga looked upon the Norns. As she did, she turned a glance of love and sadness upon Baldur, her son, and then she drew back and placed her hand upon Nanna's head. Odin turned from gazing on the Norns, and looked upon Frigga, his queenly wife. "'I would leave Asgard for a while, wife of Odin,' he said. "'Yea,' said Frigga, "'much has to be done in Midgard, the world of men.' "'I would change what knowledge I have into wisdom,' said Odin, "'so that the things that are to happen will be changed into the best that may be.' "'You would go to Mimir's well,' said Frigga. "'I would go to Mimir's well,' said Odin. "'My husband, go,' said Frigga. Then they went back over that rainbow bridge that is more beautiful and more tremulous than the one that men see from the earth. They went back over the rainbow bridge, the Aesir and the Asunir, Odin and Frigga, Baldur and Nanna, Tyr with his sword, and Sif beside Tyr. As for Thor, he went struggling through the cloud-rivers Kormt and Ermt, his hammer Mjolnir upon his shoulder. Little Hinosa, the youngest of the dwellers in Asgard, was there, standing beside Heimdall, the watcher for the gods and the keeper of the bridge to Urda's well, when Odin All-Father and Frigga his queen went through the great gate with heads bent. "'Tomorrow,' Hnosa heard Odin say, "'tomorrow I shall be Vegtam the wanderer upon the ways of Midgard and Jotunheim. End of Part 1 End of Section 7「Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse and it is incredible. He has new videos to upload on the channel every Sunday night and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7pm um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble stores. Redbubble, say that three times. All of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. 
Medgar Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They are incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash midgardmusings and youtube.com slash midgardmusings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S will find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Section 8 of The Children of Odin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Children of Odin, The Book of Northern Myths, by Parik Kolum. Part 2 Odin the Wanderer. Chapter 1 Odin Goes to Mimir's Well, His Sacrifice for Wisdom. And so Odin, no longer riding on Sleipnir, his eight-legged steed, no longer wearing his golden armor and his eagle helmet, and without even his spear in his hand, travelled through Midgard, the world of men, and made his way toward Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. No longer was he called Odin All-Father, but Vegtam, the Wanderer. He wore a cloak of dark blue, and he carried a traveller's staff in his hands. And now, as he went toward Mimir's well, which was near to Jotunheim, he came upon a giant riding on a great stag. Odin seemed a man to men, and a giant to giants. He went beside the giant on the great stag, and the two talked together. "'Who art thou, O brother?' Odin asked the giant. "'I am Vafrudner, the wisest of the giants,' said the one who was riding on the stag. Odin knew him then. Vafrudner was indeed the wisest of the giants, and many went to strive to gain wisdom from him. But those who went to him had to answer the riddles Vafrudner asked, and if they failed to answer, the giant took their heads off. "'I am Vegtam, the wanderer,' Odin said, "'and I know who thou art, O Vafrudner. I would strive to learn something from thee.' The giant laughed, showing his teeth. "'Ho, ho!' he said. "'I am ready for a game with thee.' Dost thou know the stakes? My head to thee, if I cannot answer any question thou wilt ask. And if thou canst not answer any question that I may ask, then thy head goes to me. Ho, ho, ho! And now let us begin." "'I am ready,' Odin said. "'Then tell me,' said Vafrudner, "'tell me the name of the river that divides Asgard from Jotunheim.' "'Ifling is the name of that river,' said Odin. Ifling that is dead cold, yet never frozen. Thou hast answered rightly, O wanderer, said the giant, but thou hast still to answer other questions. What are the names of the horses that day and night drive across the sky? Skinfox and Hrimfox, Odin answered. Vafrudner was startled to hear one say the names that were known only to the gods and to the wisest of the giants. There was only one question now that he might ask before it came to the stranger's turn to ask him questions. "'Tell me,' said Vafrudner, "'what is the name of the plain on which the last battle will be fought?' "'The plain of Vigard,' said Odin, "'the plain that is a hundred miles long and a hundred miles across.' 
It was now Odin's turn to ask Vafthrudner questions. What will be the last words that Odin will whisper into the ear of Baldur, his dear son? he asked. Very startled was the giant Vafthrudner at that question. He sprang to the ground and looked at the stranger keenly. Only Odin knows what his last words to Baldur will be, he said, and only Odin would have asked that question. Thou art Odin, O wanderer, and thy question I cannot answer. Then, said Odin, if thou wouldst keep thy head, answer me this. What price will Mimir ask for a draught from the well of wisdom that he guards? He will ask thy right eye as a price, O Odin, said Vafthrudner. Will he ask no less a price than that? said Odin. He will ask no less a price. Many have come to him for a draught from the well of wisdom, but no one yet has given the price Mimir seeks. I have answered thy question, O Odin. Now give up thy claim to my head, and let me go on my way." "'I give up my claim to thy head,' said Odin. Then Vafthrudner, the wisest of the giants, went on his way, riding on his great stag. It was a terrible price that Mimir would ask for a draught from the Well of Wisdom, and very troubled was Odin all-father when it was revealed to him. His right eye! For all time to be without the sight of his right eye! Almost he would have turned back to Asgard, giving up his quest for wisdom. He went on, turning neither to Asgard nor to Mimir's well. And when he went toward the south he saw Muspelheim, where stood Surtur with the flaming sword, a terrible figure, who would one day join the giants in their war against the gods. And when he turned north he heard the roaring of the cauldron Hvergemer, as it poured itself out of Niflheim, the place of darkness and dread. And Odin knew that the world must not be left between Surtur, who would destroy it with fire, and Niflheim, that would gather it back to darkness and nothingness. He, the eldest of the gods, would have to win the wisdom that would help to save the world. And so, with his face stern in front of his loss and pain, Odin All-Father turned and went toward Mimir's well. It was under the great root of Yggdrasil, the root that grew out of Jotunheim. And there sat Mimir, the guardian of the Well of Wisdom, with his deep eyes bent upon the deep water. And Mimir, who had drunk every day from the Well of Wisdom, knew who it was that stood before him. "'Hail, Odin, eldest of the gods,' he said. Then Odin made reverence to Mimir, the wisest of the world's beings. "'I would drink from your well, Mimir,' he said. "'There is a price to be paid. All who have come here to drink have shrunk from paying that price. Will you, eldest of the gods, pay it?' "'I will not shrink from the price that has to be paid, Mimir.' said Odin All-Father. "'Then drink,' said Mimir. He filled up a great horn with water from the well, and gave it to Odin. Odin took the horn in both his hands, and drank and drank. And as he drank all the future became clear to him. He saw all the sorrows and troubles that would fall upon men and gods. But he saw, too, why the sorrows and troubles had to fall, and he saw how they might be born so that gods and men, by being noble in the days of sorrow and trouble, would leave in the world a force that one day, a day that was far off indeed,
would destroy the evil that brought terror and sorrow and despair into the world. Then, when he had drunk out of the great horn that Mimir had given him, he put his hand to his face and plucked out his right eye. Terrible was the pain that Odin All-Father endured, but he made no groan nor moan. He bowed his head and put his cloak before his face, as Mimir took the eye and let it sink deep, deep into the water of the Well of Wisdom. And there the eye of Odin stayed, shining up through the water, a sign to all who came to that place of the price that the father of the gods had paid for his wisdom. End of section 8 Section 9 of The Children of Odin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Children of Odin, The Book of Northern Myths, by Parik Kolum. Part 2. Chapter 2. Odin Faces an Evil Man. Once, when his wisdom was less great, Odin had lived in the world of men. Frigga, his queen, was with him then. They had lived on a bleak island and they were known as Grimner, the fisherman, and his wife. Always Odin and Frigga were watching over the sons of men, watching to know which ones they would foster and train, so that they might have the strength and spirit to save the world from the power of the giants. And while they were staying on the bleak island, Odin and Frigga saw the sons of King Hroding, and both thought that in them the spirit of heroes could be fostered. Odin and Frigga made plans to bring the children to them, so that they might be under their care and training. One day the boys went fishing. A storm came and drove their boat on the rocks of the island where Odin and Frigga lived. They brought them back to their hut, Odin and Frigga, and they told them they would care for them and train them through the winter, and that in the spring they would build a boat that would carry them back to their father's country. "'We shall see,' said Odin to Frigga that night. "'We shall see which of the two can be formed into the noblest hero.' He said that because Frigga favoured one of the boys, and he favoured the other. Frigga thought well of the elder boy, Agnar, who had a gentle voice and quiet and kindly ways. But Odin thought more of the younger boy. Geirod his name was, and he was strong and passionate, with a high and a loud voice. Odin took Geirod into his charge, and he showed him how to fish and hunt. He made the boy even bolder than he was, by making him leap from rock to rock, and by letting him climb the highest cliffs and jump across the widest chasms. He would bring him to the den of the bear and make him fight for his life with the spear he had made for him. Agnar went to the chase, too, and showed his skill and boldness. But Geirod overcame him in nearly every trial. "'What a hero Geirod will be!' Odin would often say. Agnar stayed often with Frigga. He would stay beside her while she spun, listening to the tales she told, and asking such questions as brought him more and more wisdom. And Agnar heard of Asgard, and of the dwellers in Asgard, and of how they protected Midgard, the world of men, from the giants of Jotunheim. Agnar, though he did not speak out, 
said in his own mind that he would give all his life and all his strength and all his thought to helping the work of the gods. Spring came, and Odin built a boat for Geirod and Agnar. They could go back now to their own country. And before they set out, Odin told Geirod that one day he would come to visit him. "'And do not be too proud to receive a fisherman in your hall, Geirod,' said Odin. "'A king should give welcome to the poorest who comes to his hall.' "'I will be a hero, no doubt of that,' Geirod answered. "'And I would be a king, too. Only Agnar little good was born before me.' Agnar bade good-bye to Frigga and to Odin, thanking them for the care they had taken of Geirod and himself. He looked into Frigga's eyes, and he told her that he would strive to learn how he might fight the battle for the gods. The two went into the boat, and they rowed away. They came near to King Hrauding's realm. They saw the castle overlooking the sea. Then Geirod did a terrible thing. He turned the boat back toward the sea, and he cast the oars away. Then, for he was well fit to swim the roughest sea and climb the highest cliffs, he plunged into the water and struck out toward the shore. And Agnar, left without oars, went drifting out to sea. Geirod climbed the highest cliffs and came to his father's castle. King Hrauding, who had given up both of his sons for lost, was rejoiced to see him. Geirod told of Agnar that he had fallen out of the boat on their way back and that he had been drowned. King Hrauding, who had thought both of his sons were gone from him, was glad enough that one had come safe. He put Geirod beside him on the throne, and when he died, Geirod was made king over the people. And now Odin, having drunk from Mimir's well, went through the kingdom of men, judging kings and simple people according to the wisdom he had gained. He came at last to the kingdom that Geirod ruled over. Odin thought that of all the kings he had judged to be noble, Geirod would assuredly be the noblest. He went to the king's house as a wanderer, blind of one eye, wearing a cloak of dark blue, and with a wanderer's staff in his hands. As he drew near the king's house, men on dark horses came riding behind him. The first of the men did not turn his horse as he came near the wanderer, but rode on, nearly trampling him to the ground. As they came before the king's house, the men on the dark horses shouted for servants. Only one servant was in the stable. He came out and took the horse of the first man. Then the others called upon the wanderer to tend their horses. He had to hold the stirrups for some of them to dismount. Odin knew who the first man was. He was Geirod, the king. And he knew who the man who served in the stable was. He was Agnar, Geirod's brother. By the wisdom he had gained, he knew that Agnar had come back to his father's kingdom in the guise of a servant, and he knew that Geirod did not know who this servant was. They went into the stable together. Agnar took bread and broke it and gave some to the wanderer. He gave him, too, straw to seat himself on. But in a while Odin said, "'I would seat myself at the fire in the king's hall, and eat my supper of meat.' "'Nay, stay here,' Agnar said. "'I will give you more bread and a wrap to cover yourself with. Do not go to the door of the king's house, for the king is angry to-day, and he might repulse you.' "'How?' said Odin. A king turn away a wanderer who comes to his door? It cannot be that he would do it." "'Today he is angry,' Agnar said. Again he begged him not to go to the door of the king's house. But Odin rose up from the straw on which he was seated, and went to the door. A porter, 
hunchbacked and with long arms, stood at the door. "'I am a wanderer, and I would have rest and food in the King's Hall,' Odin said. "'Not this King's Hall,' said the hunchbacked porter. He would have barred the door to Odin, but the voice of the King called him away. Odin then strode into the hall and saw the King at table with his friends, all dark-bearded and cruel-looking men. And when Odin looked on them, he knew that the boy whom he had trained in nobility had become a king over robbers. "'Since you have come into the hall where we eat, sing to us, wanderer!' shouted one of the dark men. "'Aye, I will sing to you,' said Odin. Then he stood between two of the stone pillars in the hall, and he sang a song reproaching the king for having fallen into an evil way of life, and denouncing all for following the cruel ways of robbers. "'Seize him!' said the king, when Odin's song was finished. The dark men threw themselves upon Odin, and put chains around him, and bound him between the stone pillars of the hall. "'He came into this hall for warmth, and warmth he shall have,' said Geirod. He called upon his servants to heap up wood around him. They did this. Then the king, with his own hand, put a blazing torch to the wood, and the faggots blazed up around the wanderer. The faggots burned round and round him, but the fire did not burn the flesh of Odin All-Father. The king and the king's friends stood round, watching with delight the fire's blaze round a living man. The faggots all burned away, and Odin was left standing there with his terrible gaze fixed upon the men who were so hard and cruel. They went to sleep leaving him chained to the pillars of the hall. Odin could have broken the chains and pulled down the pillars, but he wanted to see what else would happen in this king's house. The servants were ordered not to bring food or drink to him, but at dawn, when there was no one near, Agnar came to him with a horn of ale and gave it to him to drink. The next evening when the king came back from his robberies, and when he and his friends, sitting down at the tables, had eaten like wolves, he ordered the faggots to be placed around Odin and again they stood around, watching in delight the fire playing around a living man. And as before Odin stood there, unhurt by the fire, and his steady and terrible gaze made the king hate him more and more. And all day he was kept in chains, and the servants were forbidden to bring him food or drink. None knew that a horn of ale was brought to him at dawn. And night after night, for eight nights this went on. Then on the ninth night, when the fires around him had been lighted, Odin lifted up his voice and began to sing a song. His song became louder and louder, and the king and the king's friends and the servants of the king's house had to stand still and hearken to it. Odin sang about Geirod, the king, how the gods had protected him, giving him strength and skill, and how instead of making a noble use of that strength and skill he had made himself like one of the wild beasts. Then he sang of how the vengeance of the gods was about to fall on this ignoble king. The flames died down, and Geirod and his friends saw before them not a friendless wanderer, but one who looked more kingly than any king of the earth. The chains fell down from his body, and he advanced toward the evil company. Then Geirod rushed upon him with his sword in hand to kill him. The sword struck, but Odin remained unhurt. Thy life runs out, the gods they are wroth with thee. Draw near if thou canst, Odin shalt thou see." So Odin sang, and in fear of his terrible gaze, Geirod and his company shrank away. 
and as they shrank away they were changed into beasts, into the wolves that range the forests. And Agnar came forward, and him Odin declared to be king. All the folk were glad when Agnar came to rule over them, for they had been oppressed by Geirod in his cruel reign. And Agnar was not only kind, but he was strong and victorious in his rule. End of section 9